On today's podcast, I'm going to speak to you about a few different subjects. I want to speak about some testimonies regarding the book ministry and traveling recently, as well as the, um, I want to speak about a uh, few quotes I've found um, on the subject of teaching. And in addition to that, I want to speak on uh, something I found in studying about raising girls. Greetings. Thank you for tuning in to listen to Equipping the Bride podcast. I'm Brother Jason DeMars from Beaufort, South Carolina, a minister at Bethel Tabernacle. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Friday. You can watch this podcast on YouTube and listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you have any questions, testimonies, or prayer requests, please let me know at jasondemars.com. I also have free books and tracks available at my website, and shipping is free as well. May the Lord richly bless you. Greetings, everyone, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or listening in on one of the podcast services. We appreciate you. We want to thank our sponsors of the podcast. We appreciate your uh, monthly support. Uh, It's a great blessing. If you want to find out more about that, you can uh, look in the links below the show. Um, I wanted to speak about something I sent an email update out um, to the email subscriber list last night. Um, By God's grace, we've given out 1,400 free books this year, along with free shipping. That's been um, nothing but the generosity of those who support this ministry. We thank you so much for being a part of that and and greatly appreciate that, the supporters that have stood with us throughout the year to make that happen. Um, My hope is to continue doing this. My desire is not to make money from Uh, these books and writing these books, my desire is to get the message into the hands of everyone possible and reach them in a way that we'd never be able to do that through YouTube. um, We're we're touching and reaching quite a number of people around the world. um, And through the book ministry are are as well, we're sending them out to uh, many different countries. I should do a, try to pull a report and see how many different countries we're sending them to. Can't always send them. It's uh, sometimes 50 to $100 to ship them, but the Lord makes a way somehow over the year. We're, <clears throat> through this ministry, reaching areas that uh, we wouldn't normally be able to reach, going right into people's homes, and whether they're searching a certain subject that they want to learn more about or seeing, about. Um, I really like to be able to um, put as many lines out into the water to get the message of the hour preached and find those last predestinated seeds however we can. Um, We have a number of ongoing needs regarding that. Um, We have a request for uh, one particular request for 500 books in uh, Uganda, I think it is. Um, The cost for printing and shipping is close to, is over $3,000 to do that. Um, 
Also, some requests for books in India. Believers in Pakistan are requesting um, that the End Time Message Handbook be printed. Uh, the cost for that is 600 They can print it right there in country. Um, so we like to be able to supply those, those needs. <clears throat> I don't have any capability of doing that on my own, but God is our provider, and he's able to supply that, that need. If the Lord would lay anything on your heart regarding that, we'd certainly appreciate it. Also have a shipping bill or a printing bill uh, to pay for some tracks and also need to print, reprint Serpent Seed Track and the track on Modesty. Uh, sure appreciate your prayers and support for that. And in addition to that, I'd, I'd really like, it's on my heart to travel to Fresno and minister to the saints there that don't have a pastor yet. I'd like to do that on a more consistent ba basis. There's a number of needs associated with that. So remember that in prayer as well. God has really moved in some wonderful ways with the uh, travel in the States and Canada. Just recently have some testimonies regarding that. It seems like every place that we've gone, people have testified that uh, uh, I'm speaking on subjects dealing directly with their lives. And uh, uh, it's been testified a number of times that I'm speaking about things that people are talking about in their home and in their hotel rooms and and they're dealing with in their personal lives, and God is giving answers. So we praise the Lord for that. It's not me. I certainly have no capabilities of doing that. That's the Holy Spirit moving in people's lives, and we're so grateful for that. Um, also wanted to let you know the Mystery of the Godhead book. Uh, it's been in edit and for quite a while. <clears throat> Pray for the brother that's doing the editing be able to have the time to get it done, but we should be able to have that formatted and printed on Amazon within the next month or so. Also, I've finished writing the Serpent Seed book that I've been uh, uh, procrastinating on for, for quite a while, um, but that's going to be going in for editing as well, hopefully by uh, late winter, maybe February, March of 2024, I'll be able to have that available on Amazon, just remember me in prayer. As I go and travel, I hear so many testimonies of the effect that the books, and in the past I used to write a monthly uh, book called The Contender, PTM Contender, and uh, just the effect that um, uh, people have testified to me, which have, which give new inspiration to me to continue in this ministry um, of writing and podcasts, so... Thank you all for the encouragement. I appreciate that. Excuse me. I apologize. So I came across a um, wonderful uh, a series of uh, posts that I thought were a great blessing. Me being a uh, father of three girls, it looked at it and uh, thought it was wonderful and was encouraged on the one hand that uh, I'm doing some of these things and I also challenge that I'm not. It's from, uh, this is from someone named, uh, who has a ministry entitled Foundation Father um, on X or Twitter, however you want to call that. And uh, he writes this. 
A girl's confidence comes from her father, which is why we have so many broken, insecure women. Why does this happen? How do so many girls get ruined? Let's walk through a common scenario that plays out day after day, time and time again in homes across the world. A young girl has been pushed away and treated as an annoyance all of her young life. She craves male attention but does not receive it. Maybe her father ignores her in favor of the TV, or maybe he never puts down his phone. Or maybe her father is more comfortable with his sons and doesn't really care about relating to his daughter. If he has older brothers, they may also treat her, if she has older brothers, they may also treat her as an annoyance. At this point, a a girl will do one of two things. One, she'll act out in negative ways to get attention from her father. Negative male attention is better than no male attention. Or two, she will close herself off and become timid. Both will lead to disaster. What happens when this girl suddenly starts developing into a woman? She has tried but failed again and again to get male attention and validation. Suddenly, almost overnight, she has all the male attention she could ask for, from zero to 100 almost in no time at all. When a blossoming girl starts getting this new attention, she knows exactly why. So what does she learn? The only way to get male attention and validation is with her body. The ultimate expression of this, of course, is sex. A girl starving for male, for male attention learns that sex is the surest way to get it. So that's what she starts to use. Women with this warped sense of self are easy to manipulate. They're easy to exploit, individually and at scale, like at the ballot box. When the initial high of male attention wears off, these girls will be left broken. The evidence of this is everywhere. How do you prevent this insecurity in your own daughter? A girl craves male attention and validation. She seeks it out. A good father will provide that attention and validation. If he doesn't, she'll seek out that attention from someone else. But her confidence will be destroyed. Some practical ways to show her love and attention. None of this is rocket science. You'll probably already know what you should do. Hug her. Kiss her. Read to her. Play with her with whatever toy she finds fascinating at the moment. Listen with full eye contact. Tell her she's pretty. As she gets older, believe it or not, the advice doesn't change much. She might start withdrawing from physical affection in her teenage years, especially if she is having issues with her appearance. Don't let her. Hug her. Kiss her. Give her full attention. You'll know you're doing all right when she sits down next to you and puts her head on your shoulder without any prompting. When she starts tickle fights with you, when she's not acting out in destructive ways to get your attention. Remember that girls are not like boys. Your sons need to be forged into weapons. Your daughters need to be cultivated and tended like flowers in a garden. This is the responsibility of the father. Nothing can fully replace a loving, attentive father. The stakes are high. With proper gardening and care, your daughter will be able to ignore the wrong kind of male attention and attract the proper kind of male attention. This will serve her for the rest of her life. Amen. That's very good. I thought that was a, I thought that was a great blessing and a great challenge. I believe, as fathers, as he says, the stakes are high. It's our job. It's our duty to provide the kind of love, attention, and care that would reach the heart of our daughters, and ultimately, this is to be used to teach them and train them 
on what is right and wrong and to train them to how to be the kind of woman and mother that they're supposed to be, the kind of wife that they're supposed to be. And men, if you're not providing this, I just call you, repent, set your priorities correctly. God can redeem this. Children, though they may be hurt, forgive quickly, and especially if a father makes things right. So don't be afraid to make a change. It might be difficult, especially in the teenage years. They might resist, but speak to them about it. Repent to them about it. Go forward with God. Go forward in a way that would be a blessing to your children. See, so there's another one also for boys that I read that I thought was fantastic. And I'm going to grab that. If I can find it. Yeah. Also, this is from the same account on Twitter. Also thinks it's wonderful. I'm going to re- go through it and read it. We're living in such an hour where this is very important. He writes, boys are knights in training. A boy who is not becoming more dangerous will not be able to protect anything. He will not be able to ascend to any sort of manhood. Here are 11 ways to raise dangerous sons. Now, don't get out of balance with that. You'll understand what he's saying. Number one, don't tell your sons to be careful. Tell them to pay attention. Expect your boys to be wild and get hurt. This is the glory of being a young boy. Skin knees are an honor. Broken bones are a garland. You should want to temper this wildness with wisdom. Show them to pay attention to others and to their surroundings. Don't undercut their zeal. Hone it. You should be more concerned if a son does not get himself into dangerous situations from time to time. Survival is important, but it is not the most important virtue. Two, push your sons to expand their comfort zone. Your sons must get used to going into new territory. This will serve them well for the rest of their lives. They will be able to walk into new situations and if not conquer them, at least surveil with confidence. Fear and nervousness are okay as long as your son pushes through. The best way to push them to expand their comfort zone is to walk alongside them as they attempt it. Three, praise your sons for effort not just success. Nothing encourages timidity like criticizing for failure and only praising when there has been a success. This is true in academics and in sports. If your son makes a sincere effort, praise it. You should go wild and bonkers when your sons succeed. You should also say you're proud of them in defeat. Not every battle can be won, and some battles are worth fighting even if you know you'll lose. They should not back down from a fight just because it looks hopeless. Four, Teach your sons to delight in strength, but be sympathetic to weakness. Encourage them to be physically strong. Join them in roughhouse play. Train them. Work their muscles until they're tired. Give them the gift of seeing their strength grow through effort. But also teach your sons that there are different kinds of strength and courage. They shouldn't look down on others without physical strength, but seek opportunities to use their strength to bless those weaker than themselves. Spend time around older people. Visit the sick. Your sons should not act proud or or be ostentatious with their strength, 
but rather walk in humility because they understand that it can be taken from them in an instant. Eventually, it will always fade, but while they have it, they should glory in it and use it as a tool. 5. Warn your sons against sexual immorality. Nothing will steal a man's strength more than sexual immorality. It enslaves him to his own appetites and destroys his gravitas and authority. The easiest trap to fall into today is pornography. doesn't matter how much self-control a man has in other areas of his life. If he has no self-control in regard to sexual appetite, he's already defeated. Amen to that. 6. Train your sons in sales. Nothing builds a backbone better than rejection after rejection when you are trying to sell something. Nothing builds confidence more than getting up again and again to make that single sale. Your sons will always be seeking something, whether they are official salespeople or not. It's a skill that will serve them for the rest of their lives. Start small. Have them go around the neighborhood and ask to rake leaves or mow lawns. 7. Make your sons keep their promises, no matter how small. If your sons make a promise, ensure they follow through, even when the circumstances change. Keep Keeping promises builds integrity, which is the state of being whole and undivided. The solidness provided by integrity helps make your sons whole individuals who will not crumble in the face of opposition. Don't let the little promises go. Have higher standards for their conduct. 8. Encourage your sons to err on the side of aggression, not passivity. Healthy ambition requires healthy aggression. We live in a culture that thinks passivity, thinks passive effeminacy in men is normal. As soon as a man becomes aggressive, out come the fainting couches. Young men are supposed to have zeal. They should listen to the temperance of old me- older men, but their default orientation should be towards the aggressive pursuit of some goal. Hold nothing back. They shouldn't what-if themselves to death. Dangerous men do not ask permission before they take responsibility. If his little brother is being picked on, it is perfectly appropriate for the older brother to go up and take matters into his own hand. That instinct is a good one. Do not smother it. 9. Have your son's backs when they break stupid rules. You want your sons to respect authority, but they should properly orient their loyalties. They should be ungovernable by tyrants, but respectful of their teachers and elders. Our bureaucratic society is full of petty tyrannies, and it is filtered down to almost every sector. As your sons take responsibility for things, they will bump up against these rules made by women, rules meant to subjugate their masculinity and effeminize them. Say you're proud of your sons for their courage, but help them examine their motives, walk through the scenario. Did he maintain self-control? Was he really doing something to protect his brother, or was he taking revenge? Overall, the attitude should be one of encouragement. 10. Tell your sons the right types of stories over and over. Boys learn from role-playing, more from role-playing than from lectures. Our morality comes from imitation. Give them heroes to imitate. As they go through life, they should see themselves as characters in a scene. Which type of characters do you want your sons to be? Amen. This is very good. The Bible shows us this. Fill their fill their heads with characters like Aragorn, Sam, and Frodo. Saturate them with the biblical heroes of faith like David, Abraham, and Moses. Watch movies that encourage the right affections and virtues. That doesn't 
mean telling your sons moralistic fables. It means well-written stories with characters that come up against impossible odds and do the right thing anyway. <clears throat> like what happens in real life. 11. Become dangerous yourself. If you embody this masculine danger yourself, your sons are more likely to pick it up, show them the past so they can follow. Expand your own comfort zone. Keep yourself sexually pure. Take risks. Be a man of integrity. Work to get stronger. Honor your own father. Be respectful but ungovernable. Saturate yourself in the right kinds of stories. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. I love that. May God bless that brother for what he wrote. He may not be a message believer, but he has some great insight there, and I'm very thankful for that. I believe that that's very important. We're living in an, uh, a day where effeminate males is what is valued by culture, but this is not what's valued by God. He made men to be men and women to, to be women. He didn't want men to be a bunch of sissies and wussies. He made them to be tough. He made them to be dangerous against the enemy. And sometimes that enemy takes on flesh, and we have to fight. Men are meant to be protectors, to be dangerous, to be people that are not easily trifled with, that we speak the truth, that we have integrity, that we live with honor, that we protect our wife, that we stand in protection of our daughters and those around us. That's our purpose, not to fight, just to fight, but to live by a code of biblical honor and truthfulness and integrity. And that if we must fight, we will do so with all, with all of our heart. Amen. And, and he's made us to be uh, that solid rock which loves and cares for his daughters and shows affection and gives them the craving that their heart has so that they're made ready to have a husband that would love them and care for them, and that they would not bring any brokenness into that marriage. Amen. So, all right, we're a little over 20 minutes into the podcast, and uh, there's some quotes and, and scriptures, uh, just some things that came across my, um, my way looking at this. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you're the body of Christ and members in particular, and God has summoned the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. So we look there and see uh, in the body, he first sent apostles. Second, he sent an anointed prophets. Third, he anointed teachers. Then after that, put in miracles, healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. So we see the importance of teaching in the body of Christ. We can't minimize that. Uh, I think, I think uh, the other part is in Hebrews 5, 11 through 13, of whom we have many things to say, talking about Melchizedek, and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing, for when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, 
which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So looking at that, he speaks of mature believers as being either babes or teachers. And so um, that ministry of teaching is to produce other people that ought to be teachers growing to a level of maturity where they can teach others. And so um, teaching isn't a bad thing. It isn't a negative thing. Teaching is part of the fivefold ministry. And in fact, if you look at the reality, Jesus is called a teacher. Paul calls himself an apostle and teacher of the Gentiles. So really along with any ministry is teaching. So um we can't be focused all on one ministry. It's just pastors. It's just evangelists. It's just teachers. We need the five-fold ministry. And so we need the teaching ministry. Now, and I understand we can go into this and look and say, well, over the years, we've had a lot of false teachers. Well, just because there's been false teachers or false pastors doesn't mean we throw out pastors or false teachers. We don't throw out teachers. If there's false evangelists, we don't throw out evangelists. We say, God, give us anointed teachers that will bring us to the truth, give us anointed pastors that bring us, shepherd the people according to the truth, bring us anointed evangelists that bring us the the truth, and that the true Spirit of God moves through each of these ministries. Let's look at some of the things that Brother Branham says about teachers. He says this in Questions and Answers, 1954. You say, well, glory to God. The Bible said when the Holy Ghost is come, you don't need any teacher. He's the teacher himself. Oh, brother, how can it be so little to read the script? Why did the Holy Ghost set the teachers in the church then? Say, I don't have to have anybody to teach me. The Holy Ghost teaches me. It does through a teacher. He sets teachers in the church. He said, are all teachers, are all apostles, are all gifts of healing? He said, the Holy Ghost sets these things in the church and he operates them all and each one of them operates orderly. Questions and answers, uh, 1954, the law having a shadow. He says, oh, please, church, have faith just a little while. See, you must come under teaching. You say, I don't need no one to teach me after the Holy Ghost comes. My friends, that gives me just a little room to doubt whether you really got it or not then. See, see? The way you're acting with it. See? See the thing that you're doing. Now why? If there's no if the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the teacher, why did the Holy Spirit put teachers in the church then? To set the church in order, the same Holy Spirit, sure. We don't need any seminaries to go around, a big bunch of men to look out these things. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. See, it's a teacher, and it gives some fellow a gift of teaching. Then you must be subject to that gift. In the Unpardonable Sin, 1954, that Brother Branham says, Father, that long, lengthy teaching, hard cutting, feeling the Holy Spirit first come into the meeting and give us the blessing that he is here at the beginning of the teaching, knowing that he was here, then thinking, turning into the word at the very fine point of what unpardonable sin would be to be to disobey or to reject the word of God. Amen. <clears throat> Hebrews 5 and 6, number 1, 1957. Oh, I know there's many raise up and go out and say, oh, I don't need to go to church anymore. Praise God, the Holy Ghost has come. He's the teacher. 
When that you get that idea, you're just wrong. For why did the Holy Ghost set teachers in the church if he was going to be the teacher? See, there are first apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. The Holy Spirit set teachers in the church so he could teach through that teacher. And if it isn't according to the word, God doesn't confirm it, that it isn't the right kind of teaching. It must compare with the entire Bible and be just as alive today as it was then. There's the real thing made manifest. Amen. Amen. Teaching comes, it comes by the word, and if it comes by the word, God makes it live in the people and amongst the people. Again, uh, questions and answers. 1954, law having a shadow. Only one thing to lead us, that's the Holy Spirit, and we believe the Holy Spirit leads through, the, through our leaders. If God said a Holy Spirit said a teacher in the church, then if the Holy Spirit wants the church to know something, he'll speak through the teacher. For the Holy Spirit, that's what the teacher is ordained to do. Is that right? It's ordained. That gift is in the church as a teacher, and we should all listen to it until that gift goes to proving something that isn't right in the Bible. Then we have a right to question it. See? Amen. Amen. In a hidden life in Christ, 1955, Brother Branham says, Jesus said when Satan tempted him, he said, It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, the Holy Spirit feeds on the word. He takes the word and places it into your heart, and it makes you grow in strength. Good Bible exposits, and I love it. I love to sit and hear a good Bible teacher who takes the Bible and lays it out. Then the spirit of kindness and meekness with it, where it takes root in good, soft ground and goes to growing. Amen. So, as we look at this, if God wants to bring something to the church, he shows it to the teacher. The teacher brings it to them. Brother Branham says we have to uh, be subject to that, but we have to check it with the word. Brother Branham's ministry, every ministry, we have to take it and check it with the word and watch and see if it lives. Then it does. Then Brother Branham says you need to be Subject to that gift of teaching. Amen. And so we look at, at this, and we see this, and we, we can't set aside the ministry of teaching. We can't, sit, we can't attack the ministry of teaching. Neither can we attack the ministry of evangelism there, or, or exhortation, however you want to speak about that gift that's operating. Uh, good, fine brothers that are evangelists, that preach the message of the hour, that lay it in, lay it in, lay the word in, and the Holy Spirit moves and brings people to repentance, brings them to uh, a change change in their lives. Uh, I have a teaching ministry. I've seen the Lord take take the that teaching gift, bring people to the altar in repentance. Uh, I've heard testimonies of people's lives being changed and transformed by taking the word and lay it in there. It's teaching isn't just bringing doctrine about the seven thunders or bringing doctrine about the Godhead. Certainly that's part of it, but every ministry should be laying in the word this way. It's just a different type, a gift that's geared a different way, but it still must produce the power of the Holy Ghost in people's lives, the moving of the Holy Spirit in their hearts that would change them and make them more like Christ, and the Holy Spirit would then testify into the hearts of the people that gift 
that has brought an effect and a transformation in their lives. Uh, I believe that we need to have a balance and we need to have a balance in the word and we need all parts of the fivefold ministry. We need that firebrand of a preacher. Absolutely, the Spirit of God works through that. We need that teacher will stand up and, as Brother Branham said, a good Bible exposits, you know, and he takes the word, word by word, and explains it in depth so that it become it can become a revelation in the heart. Brother Branham shows that the teacher is set in the church to help set the church in order, and that it's the Holy Spirit that operates those gifts in the bride body. So, amen. Saints, God bless you. Thank you so much for uh, listening in. Just remind you, make sure to like, make sure to comment, make sure to share this. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please uh, go ahead and go in there and rate the podcast. We need your feedback. That helps with all the algorithms. So if you're a listener there, just take one moment. It'll take less time than preparing a cup of coffee. Um, just very quickly go in there and rate it and give us a comment. Or even if you don't give a comment, just rate it. We appreciate that. Uh, May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you for listening to Equipping the Bride podcast. New episodes are posted every Friday. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, testimonies, or prayer requests, please let me know at jasondemars.com. I also have free books and tracks available at my website, and shipping is free as well. Please, I ask you to remember the believers and the missions work in the Middle East in prayer. May the Lord richly bless you.